I've got two scenarios. In which situation is Satan the greater threat, do you suppose? Just a couple months ago in the State House in Iowa, perhaps you read this story, uh, uh, the Temple of Satan, the local chapter, put up a statue of Satan in the State House. And as you can imagine, a lot of people flipped out politically and religiously. There was a lot of ire and anger, even though the, the people had said this, they don't really believe in Satan. This is just sort of a, a political statement. You can imagine the frustration that ensued by the people, the people that were Christians and close to the situation. Was he the greater threat there? Or the 37-year-old mother of four who goes to the doctor's office? And she thinks it's going to be a routine visit until all of a sudden it's not. And, and blood tests and, and other tests come back later on. And sure enough, completely out of nowhere, stage four cancer. And the what-ifs and the doubts and the concerns slam her and her family like a tidal wave. In which situation is that prowling lion more dangerous? A reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the grace and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will, restore, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This letter that we have before us today, it's the, it's the end, almost the end of Paul's of Peter's letter to these exiles. In fact, at the beginning of, of the letter, he describes it. He says, these are, this is to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And essentially the reason that, that Peter writes this entire letter is to talk about sufferings, hardships, the challenges of life as, as a Christian. And he's writing people to under, that understand those sufferings very, very well because he's writing to people that have been exiled as a direct result of their faith. He had gone on for, for five chapters talking about the way that you live as a Christian in a world that might hate you. And he finishes it with the verses here in our reading for today. As he, he shoots sort of from the hip some, some final last bits of advice, humble yourself before God, give your cares to him. And one of the main ones that we're going to look at in our, in our entire sermon today, look out for the enemy. This is the playbook of Satan. The playbook of Satan is nothing less than this, to take, to take his lies and drive a wedge 
between you and your Savior. And man, oh man, is he a prowling opportunity, tunist. He is, is there, looking to use the good things, the bad things, and the ugly things that are going on in your life and use them to turn you against your God, whispering lies in your ear every step of the way. And as you read this, as, as you get that description of that prowling lion, you think of being on a safari in the wilderness and, and the lion is just going back and forth behind you, constantly waiting to pounce, waiting for you to slip up, to fall down. This is his playbook. To take, to take challenges and use them against you. You know, it's interesting. I think sometimes we get it in our heads that, that a, a, a suffering or a challenge in our life is either one, from God, and it is meant for my good, or two, it is from Satan, and it is there just to bring me down. I submit to you a new way of looking at it. All of the challenges that are in your life are being used by God in order to draw you closer to him. And all of the challenges that are in your life are, are in fact, being used by Satan in order to separate you from God. It's not as if there's this type of binary that some of them are good and other ones are, are wicked and they're to, to, to trip you up. They both are used, one by God and by Satan at the exact same time. And what's crazy is it doesn't even have to actually be a suffering. That is how wily and wicked and clever and cunning the, the evil foe, that, that father of lies is. It doesn't, doesn't even have to be a suffering. In fact, sometimes he will take blessings. He'll take blessings and he'll use those in order to drive a wedge between us and our Savior. I'm able to use this example because to the best of my knowledge, it's actually not going on in church and so I, no one here will think that I'm singling them out for it. But it is the, the family who, who their, their son has playing, been playing soccer since he was five and, and now he's 11 and he tries out for the club team, something he's wanted, oh, he has wanted it for years and years and years and he's worked so hard, tireless nights in the driveway and finally God blesses him with the ability to do it. He goes to practice and sure enough, he nails the tryout and, and is told right there on the spot, you are on the club team. And he goes out to eat with his family, and it's just, it's just awesome. And then they get home that night, and, and mom opens the email from the coach that says, here's the schedule, here's the expectations. Out of the next 16 Sundays, you're going to have to give 14 of them to us. And immediately their, their family thinks, well, I, I, we won't be able to go to church. That, that seems like a problem. It's 16 weeks. And so the 16 weeks go by, and actually one of the Sundays they could have made it to church, they were sick, and, and the other one they made it, they made it. But then on that 17th week, as there's no more soccer for maybe six or eight weeks, they get ready to go to church, and mom and dad turn to the 11-year-old boy, and for the first time in their entire lives, they hear him say, Mom, Dad, do we really have to go to church? And in one swoop... Satan has turned this blessing, this absolute blessing, into a challenge. Prowling. Always prowling. And it's not just church attendance. Prowling behind 
pandemics and politics, prowling behind division, prowling behind luxury and vacation and, and wealth, prowling behind the sweetest things you have in your life and prowling behind the greatest curses that are inflicted upon you, constantly waiting for, for that opportunity to pounce. That's a little bit of a bummer of a sermon, isn't it, Pastor? We're kind of at the point where, where maybe we just give up on it all and, and go, go dig a hole, sit in it, and wait until Jesus comes back. That way we don't have to deal with this nonsense. It sounds hopeless because we know that, that those battles that Satan wages against us are, are ones that are, are tailored for us and therefore so often we fall into them. We slip up. We sin. It sounds hopeless and yet, Peter doesn't really, doesn't really dwell on the situation a whole lot, does he? Peter talks about your enemy, the devil. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Very matter of fact. And then follows it up with, resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. It seems like Peter's almost calling us to this us-against-the-world type of battle, but that's, that's not at all what it is. He doesn't say, stand firm in your strength. He says, stand firm in your faith, which means he calls us to stand firm in the gift that God has given to us, that, that trust in him that he has placed in each and every one of our hearts. He doesn't leave us as prey for that lion. He calls us to stand firm and resist, even though he knows that, that we won't do it perfectly. Even though he knows that we are going to slip and fall and that, that lion that walks back and forth behind us is going to find a way to prounce and to nip, nip at our heels, to maybe even take a big old bite out of our leg but that that line will not overcome us. See how he finishes out this section of verses. He says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is how we brave the battle knowing how the story ends. Knowing that the individual daily battles against Satan are not the end-all, be-all, and that when those things fall apart in our hands, that our God still comes behind us with his grace and says, we're going to get after it again, don't you worry. I read online, did you know there are roughly estimated 110 million landmines in the earth, active landmines in the earth right now? I know this isn't something that we think about very often. I've never been worried that driving down Richland Ave, I was going to run over a landmine. But there are 110 million landmines across the world right now. Could you imagine what it's like to live in a region in which that actually is a thing? Where a landmine could be in the road, where it could be in a field, where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you might step on it and stumble upon it? We have landmines throughout our life. 
scattered, just waiting for us to step on it. And, and with these verses, we know we are going to step on them. We are going to wind up through the course of, of an entire life lived, we are going to hit those roadblocks, those challenges that seek to separate us from God. And yet, at the same time, God still utters these words to you over and over and over again. He says, The God of all grace, who called you into his glory after you suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. This is the promise that you have. That those little battles that that are waged against Satan... Those are nothing compared to the war that our Savior won on our behalf. Because there is a day coming, my peace family. There's a day coming where where things just won't be as difficult. Where we won't receive blessings and find a way to, to turn them into challenges. When we won't deal with sufferings even in the slightest, when we won't look back and see a, a lion prowling back and forth waiting for us to slip and fall and pounce on us. There is a day coming, whether that's the day that you pass from this earth and go home to be with your Savior in heaven, or the day that the trumpet blows and Jesus comes back and says, enough, the lion is going away forever and ever, amen. That day is coming when you and I don't have to second guess, when we don't have to worry, when not everything is going to feel like a struggle, like a grind, where not everything is going to feel as if, well, I might have won this little battle, but I know there's about 17 other ones today that I'm going to lose. The day is coming when those challenges of life will be a thing of the past. That is the promise of your Savior. The devil does all sorts of work in this world. And Jesus says, as far as he goes, I have undone every eternal consequence he has for you. And in the meantime, Peter calls us to stand firm in the faith. Could you imagine, I just talked a little bit about what those exiles were were going through. Could you imagine what that must have been like to be exiled across an entire region and you don't really have a home and you are sent out and, and, and persecuted, suffering as a direct result of your faith and you don't live anywhere close to a place of worship for you. you. You might not even really have a whole lot of Christians living in your proximity and, and, and you might not even have the word of God in a very robust manner. You might get little tidbits, letters, but you don't have the word of God that is constantly, constantly in your face. Could you imagine how difficult the Christian life must have been for these exiles who were living all over the Roman world? That's not us. We have a home. And it's right here. Peace, I pray that this can be our home. Peter tells those people to look outside of themselves, to look across the world and see all of these believers struggling and understand that the struggles that they are going through are being, being taken on by the people that are across the world, Christians throughout the family of believers. We don't have to look outside of our community, outside of, the, outside of these walls. We look right here. 
I literally watch people limp, limp into church. I know the, the major and the minor procedures that you have. I know the challenges that are going on in your life. I know the frustrations that you have with your family and with your loved ones. And yet, in the midst of all of those things, you find a way to limp your way through those front doors into the Welcome Center, through the threshold of our sanctuary, and find a seat broken and beaten down by the constant battling with Satan. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you to share that with each other. Because there are certainly people in this room that think that the, the, the assault that Satan is waging on them is theirs and their own and that nobody else in this world could possibly understand what they're going through. I promise you that is not even sort of true. It's in verse 9 that we really find our reason for gathering with, with regular corporate worship. Why we come here to peace. Why we make this the heartbeat of what we do. First, Because Peter writes, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in this gift that God has given to us. You can know for sure that when you show up here on a Sunday, you are going to receive the strengthening of that faith. That is what we have the promise concerning the word. That is why we have the promise concerning the word. That when the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit is there working on our heart. And then, and then we are given this extra little bit, this extra blessing from God himself in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. As he says, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. Come and taste your forgiveness. That sacrament is meant to strengthen your faith so that the battle with Satan is able to be waged and you are able to stand firm in that faith. If you are a guest, if you are not a member of our congregation today, Let's talk. Let's talk about making you a member so that you can taste that strength that the Lord Jesus has poured out on you as well. But there's a second reason. And that second reason is to look around and see how bad everybody else is doing. But really, the reason that we gather, the reason that that you're missing something if you're just online, the reason that we gather is that you can see it in the the eyes and, and maybe even sometimes in the tears of the family of believers here and that you can make each other's struggles your own. I was just talking to somebody just in the last couple of weeks. We were having coffee and we were talking about what an absolute blessing it is to be able to share a coffee with someone who shares your faith completely, where you know you have perfect security to talk about who you are and who God is and what you're going through in your life. We can foster that here and, and, and take it out into our lives. God has said the fight against Satan It's a tough one. But in in the interim, between now, when not everything is perfect, and the day that Jesus calls an end to it on our last day here on earth, our Lord gives us these beautiful blessings that are there to serve us and strengthen us for the fight. Yes, it is true. Every circumstance of our life, God is using to draw us closer to him. And every circumstance of our life, Satan is 100% absolutely trying to use it to divide you from your God. So be it. You know the playbook. 
and you have the strength of your Lord Jesus at your back. And when it all falls apart, when it feels as if Satan is winning the day, you have those last two verses. I'm going to read them one more time. And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, who isn't? will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. The work of Satan is temporary. The work of Christ is eternal. Amen.